Emotional intelligence is defined by Harvard as the skills that help us recognize, understand, and manage our own emotions and the emotions of others. In today's workplace, it's not a nice to have, it's a must have if any leader is to experience any modicum of sustainable success. And here's the research to back up this very point. According to the Niagara Institute, emotional intelligence is simply not the activity of hiring teams actively and seeking out candidates to fill vacant positions. It also plays a part on who gets promoted and who is ready for a raise. It's also found to be the strongest predictor of performance based off of 34 essential workplace skills. The Institute also reports that people with higher emotional intelligence make an average of 29,000 more a year than their non-emotionally intelligent counterparts. Finally, 75% of managers say they use emotional intelligence as a primary gauge to assess whether an employee is ready for a promotion or a raise. Phil Johnson is a career, corporate, and personal success coach. He's helped companies and organizations generate more than a billion and a half dollars in revenue. He's dyslexic, and he can see what others can't. He's created a program known as Master of Business Leadership. It's a program that's received international acclaim. He's run it for over 22 years and traveled all over the world helping leaders tap into their emotional intelligence. And he spent some time with me at the end of this week to really define how important emotional intelligence is to the overall quality of health of a workplace, people in general, and society at large. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. Absolutely. Now, 
So when we talk about the uh, concept of emotional intelligence, you know, it can have uh, many different uh, definitions for many different people. So when you think of the concept of emotional intelligence, what comes to mind for you? It's an experiential process um, that involves moving out of your comfort zone and through the discomfort that triggers in us towards a desired result we want to achieve. Yeah, and to that end, uh, Phil, I'm curious about how much does emotional intelligence affect a sort of overall quality of life or all overall the aspect of life? How much of a factor do you think emotional intelligence uh, plays in that regard? It has a huge impact. Uh, it guarantees career, corporate, and personal success. There was a 40-year study done at UC Berkeley in California comparing IQ with EQ, and they concluded that emotional intelligence uh, is 400% more valuable than intellectual intelligence. And as a matter of fact, because of the accelerating rate of change we're experiencing, more and more companies are hiring and developing and promoting emotional intelligence. Indeed. And Phil, you know, I'm also curious to ask you about how emotional intelligence affects a good leadership within the corporate and a business branch. How do you think it's interconnected to great leadership at work? It builds, it inspires higher levels of trust and engagement. Um, both with the people working in the organization and the, and the customers they seek to serve. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Phil, uh, I don't know how much uh, research you did on me, buddy, but I uh, also help individuals and organizations uh, better infuse individuals with disabilities within the workforce, my friend. And I... I know for myself personally, it's a passion project because I was born with cerebral palsy. And, you know, uh, infusing folks with disabilities into the workforce, it has a uh, business effect, a positive business effect, but it also has an, an emotional effect that can uh, improve the quality of a workplace. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I was born with dyslexia, <clears throat> and I uh, I went on to become a corporate executive, traveling over sixty thousand miles a year, and helped uh, generate over a billion and a half dollars in revenue. Yeah, the, the, there's certainly a competitive advantage to infusing them into the workforce, isn't there? Yeah, I think that um, what people might refer to as a disability uh, can actually turn out to be a significant strength because it often forces people to do a lot of what I refer to as emotional labor in learning to move through their fear um, rather than being controlled by their fear. And that's an extremely... A poor, that's an extremely important ability to have because we're facing 
a tsunami of increasing global change with a 500 million year old brain that doesn't like change. So people with disabilities, in a sense, <clears throat> are forced to embrace change because of their disability. <clears throat> and that gives them insights into themselves and other people that most people don't have. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I feel just diving into your personal story as well. You say that obtaining the brass ring, uh, your pursuit of that in the 1990s wasn't all that it was cracked up to be and that you were along the way. You forgot the uh, promise you made to yourself on a snowy January night in 1968. So I'm wondering if you can tell me about the experience and how you reconnected with the promise you made to yourself. The, um, well, uh, um, I grew up uh, in a time, I, I'm 69, and I was born in 1953, and my dad was a factory worker, and I had thought that uh, the higher you went up within an organization, um, the better the quality of leadership you would find. And uh, that turned out to be not true at all in in most cases. So it, it helped me to um, remember the promise I'd made to myself um, after my mother's death in 1967. Um, and it I left corporate America and I began, I created a program called the Master of Business Leadership to uh, to help address those uh, those root cause problems. Uh, so, yeah, let's dive in to uh, the course uh, Master of Business Leadership that you've created and sort of uh, giving me the principles of how it works and why you think it's an effective tool uh, to tackle emotional intelligence. Well, uh, there are MBL, or Master of Business Leadership Program alumni in the United States, Canada, UK, Europe, Japan, Germany, Bosnia, Africa, Australia, the Middle East, and Saudi Arabia. So I've been working with executives and organizations all over the world, uh, helping them to achieve uh, career, personal, and corporate success for the last 22 years. So I guess it works pretty well. Uh, absolutely, and uh, I'm curious in today's business climate, Phil, if you think corporate leaders uh, place enough emphasis on the importance of emotional intelligence. Well, some do. Um, most don't. I can give you an example of one company uh, that's currently valued at about $2.2 trillion dollars and they're doing about $600 billion a year in revenue, and their primary hiring focus is emotional intelligence, and that company is Apple. And that's why when you walk into an Apple store, that energy you feel is an example of a more emotionally intelligent environment. They're not trying to, uh, they're not trying to sell you anything. They're trying to understand your pain and, if possible, offer a solution to your pain. Whether you buy anything or not is secondary to their desire to want to serve you. They want you to have a great experience, and maybe you'll tell your friends and they'll tell their friends. And if you think about it, 
that energy you feel in that environment is a very different energy from the energy you feel in the stores surrounding that environment. So that's an example uh, of a more emotionally intelligent environment. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Phil, I'm also wondering your thoughts on how uh, good emotional uh, uh, intelligence can help us make sound business decisions. What are your thoughts there? Well, it leads to, um, without getting too much into the science and the energy physics, um, developing emotional intelligence creates higher levels of trust and engagement, which leads to people uh, being more willing to work together and take risk on the way to achieving better results. <clears throat> most, most environments are very toxic and lack emotional intelligence. According to Gallup, the current level of employee engagement is about 13%. Low levels of employee engagement are costing the U.S. economy over a trillion dollars a year. <clears throat> and it's also why over 80% of all mergers and acquisition and in, um, uh, what was it, M&A and organizational development initiatives fail. So it's a, it's a huge problem. So the development of emotional intelligence uh, does a lot to um, creating a more engaged, uh, trusting environment, and not only for the employees, but for their customers. And that inevitably leads to better results. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you think is the key, Phil, for any organization that feels that there, as an organizational culture, there's a deficit of emotional intelligence. What, what do you think is the key to closing that gap? Pain. They have to have, uh, see, there's only two sources of motivation that will cause people <clears throat> to leave their comfort zone and move through the discomfort that triggers in us on the way to achieving better results. Uh, one of the one's pain, the other one's passion, and hardly hardly anybody's connected with their passion. So for the most part, those individuals that are motivated to leave their comfort zone in the pursuit of better results are usually motivated by an urgent desire for better results than they're currently getting, i.e., pain. Indeed, and you've, uh, Phil, you brought up earlier that you've traveled all over. Uh, the world, both in the UK, Canada, uh, the U United States, and abroad. So I'm curious, when you, you have these international travels and you sort of uh, put your emotional intelligence cap on, and in the spirit of learning, I'm wondering what you've learned throughout the years on how uh, the, the international view of emotional intelligence has really evolved over, over time. It, we're just getting started. Um, the development of emotional intelligence is incredibly difficult. Um, it's like Navy SEAL training for your emotions. It's the kind of work uh, most people wouldn't do unless they were forced to do it. Um, but the results are incredible. Um, and it's no different anywhere in the world. People don't know what they don't know. 
uh, we're only actually conscious about three to five percent of the time. The rest of the time, we're relying on our habits to determine our behavior and our results, and that's fine. But the um, see, our educational system has failed us, and our employment system has failed us. We're facing a tsunami of accelerating change that we are completely unprepared for, and that's going to create increasing levels of drama, chaos, and conflict, which is going to motivate some people to leave their comfort zone in the pursuit of better results, and that'll help them to develop their, their leadership and emotional intelligence. But for the majority of people, it's likely, it's likely to drive them deeper into their comfort zone, and they're going to become more resistive, more judgmental, more attached to outcome. So we're kind of at a at a tipping point um, where we're going to go one way or the other. Yeah, absolutely. And just as a follow-up to that, Phil, I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on how emotional intelligence and mental health are interconnected. What do you think is the common thread between the two, if any at all? Um, agency. Uh, what I mean by that is um, learning to distance ourselves from our ego-based fear by focusing more on the present moment, by learning to stop giving away our energy, which enables us to become less resistive, less judgmental, and less attached to outcome. So that, um, see, what I, let me give you, so there's three primary sources of resistance we have to change. Two are biological and one sociological, but let me talk about one of them. Um, there's a part of our old lizard brain called the amygdala that for the last several hundred million years has been trying to keep us safe and alive by making sure we never leave the safety of our cave um, or comfort zone. So whenever we do, whenever we take an action that moves us outside of our comfort zone, it automatically triggers the release of a hormone called cortisol into our bloodstream. And that causes the executive center of our brain to shut off. And we go into what psychologists refer to as, a, as an amygdala hijack. Some people lash out. Some people run away. Some people freeze like a deer in the headlights. <clears throat> when that happens in conflict situations, often people die. When it happens in business or personal situations, relationships die. We burn trust. So as an analogy, if you think of your amygdala as a very frightened four-year-old child, the development of our emotional intelligence acts like a big brother or a big sister to quiet our amygdala response down so that we're better able to feel the fear and anxiety that change, changing innovation always triggers in us and move through it towards what it is we're trying to achieve as opposed to allow, allowing that fear to keep us trapped in our comfort zones. Indeed. Uh, thank you for the uh, comparison and analysis. It was very helpful. And Phil, I asked you earlier about uh, people with disabilities at work and uh, the uh, advantages that they bring to the workplace. But I also wanted to ask you about on a more broader sense, how do you think emotional intelligence is tied to increasing the diversity, equity, and inclusion of all people at work? Ah, great question. That's a great question, Kevin. Thanks for asking it. Um, as we learn to 
as we did, we develop our emotional intelligence by learning to lower our walls and actually as an energy physics component to this. But the point is that as we become more emotionally intelligent, um, we're better able to reconnect with who we really are as opposed to who we think we are. And that enables us to better connect with the people around us. So developing our emotional intelligence, one of the benefits um, of developing our emotional intelligence is a greater connection, not only with ourselves, but with each other. And that leads to uh, inclusion. Mm -hmm. And you know, uh, Phil, the urgency of togetherness, I, I think, has been more accelerated because of the results of the COVID-19 pandemic. So I'm also curious to ask you about emotional intelligence as we emerge from the uh, coronavirus and how, how it applies to our everyday life, both at, at home and at work. How do you think we can uh, emerge the better uh, emotionally intelligent uh, society. Well, um, the COVID, I'm going to come back to the COVID situation, <clears throat> but um, it's important to realize that we're facing um, a rate of exponentially accelerating change <clears throat> that we've never, ever experienced before. Some scientists estimate in this century we could experience the equivalent of 20,000 years worth of change or 200 centuries worth of change. Nothing like that has ever happened before. And we've got a 500 million year old brain that doesn't like change. Whether it's positive or negative, we don't like change. So COVID gave people an opportunity for a while to move outside of the toxic work environments that most that a lot of people are in and now they don't they've had a chance to kind of raise their heads a little bit and become a little more conscious they move from a from a toxic environment into hopefully a a little bit more of a loving environment and so they really don't want to go back into those toxic work environments so they're really they're really resisting um they're really forcing companies to deal with the toxicity, the drama, chaos, and conflict that exists in most organizations. Absolutely. And, you know, Phil, I've got two uh, more questions for you. The, the first, you know, I'm going to uh, uh, tell you just a little bit of a personal story. So I have an identical twin brother, and for the first time in his life has moved outside of, of Canada uh, to accept the position and as an uh, assistant uh, uh, professor of sports psychology at Missouri State University. And you, you know, anytime you've been at a certain place for a long time, we've built up a psychological safety. And when we uh, change our environment, environment it takes time to sort of acclimate to our new surroundings so i'm wondering if you could talk about change uh psychological safety and emotional intelligence and how they're really connected if we have a career or life change yeah um developing our emotional intelligence 
enables us to look past the challenges we face to the potential opportunities buried within those challenges. See, when without with a lot without a, um, individuals lacking emotional intelligence tend to focus on the problem instead of the potential opportunity that might be buried within the problem. So they can only see the problem. So as we develop our emotional intelligence, we're much better able to face the challenges we invariably come up against um, with less resistance, judgment, and attachment to outcome, which helps us to look for the opportunity that these challenges often represent. Absolutely. And Phil, my final question for you has to do with your own uh, personal and professional legacy and how you think you would want that to be defined. Um, I'm not that concerned about um, my own personal legacy. I'm just trying to help as many people uh, for as long as I can. I think that's my uh, that's my focus. And claim the fame, absolutely. And finally, uh, Phil, tell me if people want to get connected with the good work that you do surrounding emotional intelligence, what's the best way they can do that? Um, I could send you a link to my uh, my Zoom calendar, and if anybody would like to talk with me, there. They're happy to just grab a grab a uh, a time slot on there, and uh, we can meet. Oh, fantastic! Well, Phil, I have to commend the, the great work that you do in the field of emotional intelligence and helping people build up psychological safety, my friend. Your time on my behalf is most appreciated, most appreciated, along with the work that you do in the space. I want to wish you. A good weekend, and I want to thank you for being here this afternoon. It's most appreciated. Thanks, Kevin, and I want to, I want to congratulate you and thank you as well for the for the leadership that you're demonstrating in the work you're doing. I think uh, your desire to to be of service is quite inspirational. So, on behalf of the rest of humanity, we thank you. Well, I, I appreciate that, Phil. I, I, and uh, thank you so much for the kind words. It's most appreciated. My pleasure.